The rule of law is the foundation for everything. Margaret Thatcher called it the first duty of government. Fly-tipping, off-road biking in rural areas, drugs. Now, some people call this low-level. I do not want to hear those words. There's a family in my constituency. Every night, cannabis smoke creeps in from the street outside into their children's bedroom, aged four and six. That's not low level. Then you'd be better be prepared to, to clear up your mess. And welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. My name is Sean Morley and I hate Keir Starmer. I hate Keir Starmer and I'm Jack Lewis Evans. This is an episode about a man as boring as he is, I hate him. The eyes of a shark and the personality of a mole. Keir Starmer has sealed the lid on hope. Optimism has been found guilty of being too left-wing and slid into Keir Starmer's pedal bin. We've asked a focus group if Keir Starmer has enough Union Jacks. And their response was... Who? Keir Starmer is a drain on my energy. Keir Starmer goes on holiday to the Marianas Trench. Keir Starmer has made a deal with the devil, but the devil is really fucking boring. Keir Starmer is a paint that will never dry. Keir Starmer is nostalgic for white dog shit. Keir Starmer is the final boss of a game that you never completed because you became more interested in your self-assessment tax return. But don't worry, we'll also be talking about blue tack. Yes, away. One for the lads. If you'd like to support the podcast, please share this episode on social media or support our work at patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party where you can find additional bonus content. We will also be bringing a new live show to McCunkleth Comedy Festival on Saturday the 29th of April. What do you think Keir Starmer's doing right now? Boiling a Twix? No, lying about boiling a Twix. Oh, we could tune into the Starmer channel. Oof, okay, uh, pop your uppers. Oh, yeah, okay, got mine. Oh, wow, my heart rate is rocketing. Oh, okay, <clears throat> pupils dilating. Anxiety fading. I'm ready. Here we go. In Swindon, back in Swindon <sighs> for the launch of our local election. It's so good to be here oh with you. These elections really, right. really matter, and we've got to go I'm out. And we've this got is to hard. Win them this is difficult. This is brutal. Part of these elections. Jack, I'm sorry, really I failed you. Simple question. Do you think Jack, you believe? Let me check my um, BPM Oh no, five Keir Starmer might be the most boring person that I hate And that's like his superpower It's like a swarm of flies that's impossible to shoot It's very difficult to like mount a critique of him Because as soon as you start reading about his life or his boring opinions He's reactionary and the most boring man alive 
But like, if he was a swarm of flies, I'd quite actually quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a swarm of flies who was the leader of the Labour Party, I think there's a lot of good things I could say about that. There'd be some criticisms I'd probably reluctantly have to take on board. I say, yeah, fair policy positions yeah. of the flies. Yeah. Well, also, I just think there's certain things about the suitability for the role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being um, a barrister for so long has probably ruined his brain. He's a bureaucrat. That's it. It's like if someone you know goes off and does this intensely boring, safe job, and then they do not know how to have an interesting conversation after that. Like the office has bleached. But he's even a conservative, like barrister. Isn't his whole thing when he was at the DPP? He was just like ultra conservative, just deferred decisions to other people, didn't take any risks. And if he had to make a decision, he'd get like a load of focus groups or someone else to think about it before he made any decision. It was it was a massive issue that he kept being, because obviously he, he became really senior, right? He was like the head of the Crown Prosecution Service. Yeah. But whenever he was put like on an advisory board or like a human rights board to be like, you've got to criticise this group and do something wrong, his tendency was tends to be like, they're fine, it's fine. We're all mm. fine. Can you please call me Kia? <laughs> <laughs> But that was spun. His whole, like, he, I'm a human rights lawyer fighting the man is actually more, it's, that's a, it's a little bit dubious than uh, was presented in 2020. It, it's funny to use that, given that mm. looking at his record, he seems to be the safe choice to put on advisory boards if you don't mm. want anyone to criticise the police. So it's like, <laughs> who are we going to get to look over all of these incidents of, like, priests police brutality or corruption that isn't going to criticise them. How about this square-headed man who refuses to part with his £250 a day chauffeur to drive him four miles to work? Maybe he's our stooge. The idea that he's an anti-establishment figure in any way, transparently obvious bollocks um, to anyone paying attention. Like, we should be angry at Starmer and his team of gambling lobbyist-funded propagandists for lying like they've lied to people and then people have behaved as if the lie is true and gone oh i'll vote for this guy like and i am angry at them for that but it's also like did you you, you thought this guy was good you thought this was your guy yeah <laughs> a little bit of that's on you i think <laughs> and also for the people who knowingly put him up to be the face of the party there's Ugh. also the thing even to them knowing what their plan is to be like this is, this is your guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the face of literally anything. Do you know when like Ed Miliband would go, I'm a normal guy. Look, I'm having a sausage roll. And then he tries to suck it like a straw. Mm. I think in hindsight, that's humanising. <laughs> <laughs> it's the absolute absence of that that makes Starmer kind of eerie. But he has done stuff that's like transparently fucked, like the, uh, the early 2000s thing where... Um, a traveller community was being harassed by people burning effigies of traveller children. Starmer comes in and goes like, oh, well, we don't actually need to prosecute them. I think they're okay. They're all right doing that, yeah. Yeah, everything yeah, they... that's happening is fine. Yeah, travellers, um, I, 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 are they British? Have they got a state? Yeah. Uh, travellers, you... I'd actually rather talk about my favourite football team, Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> I like Arsenal. <laughs> I like margarita pizza. I like making a to-do list. Yeah. Point one, factionalism. Point two, on my to-do list is make another to-do list. I think I'll go. My um, I love my family. I love uh, England. Britain, sorry, Britain. Uh, I love the UK. My favourite activity is I'll get some paint and each of my children will get some paint and we'll paint a wall. They'll each paint a wall and we'll sit and we'll just watch it dry. And just as it dries, you know, the fun never ends. You can paint it again. Oh, my my favourite meal, that would have to be lasagna. <laughs> lasagna, no salt though, too spicy. Yeah, one layer. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just uh, put, the, put the pasta layer at the bottom and then the, put the mints on top. I call it lasagna tart. <laughs> I'm put into a bunch of different search engines and all the AIs that we have now. All oh, the AIs yeah, yeah. that we have now. You GPT in. And I just said, tell me anything. Fish out some human interesting about Star Wars. An interesting exist. fact, Doesn't a weird exist. fact, a funny fact, and an unexpected fact. And the only one was a, a, a chat GPT lie that yeah. it could not provide a source for. That his favourite meal was lasagna. And that's, that's so like, believable, though. There's no reason to believe it's no. true. Yes, I guarantee is. it is. Yes, it's true. Exactly. <laughs> it's, the AI has actually extrapolated that from the information yeah. it's given us. This guy's food. And it probably, I think if you asked the, the, the chat and said, one layer of lasagna, it would say, it would just reply, yes, that's correct. Yeah, one layer. I also like, because you know people have been calling him Keith. I think that's faded a bit, um, but it was good to wind up the... Uh, I think it was so prevalent that you still see it. Yeah. Still I also it, kind yeah. of like the rationale of it that it's because he's... He says he was named after Keir Hardy, the founder of the Labour Party, and just by it's, disassociating himself yeah, with Labour's yeah, roots yeah. as a way of teasing him on his name. Exactly. That's funny. It also alludes to also his weird like to- authentocrat thing of like, he's a, of course, yes, he's abandoned socialism, but we'll keep saying that he's the son of a toolmaker uh, because it does like he's not socialist, but maybe he's working class. And if, if a working class person does this reactionary shit, maybe that's uh, yeah. fine. And working classness is in the blood. If a joiner bites you on the arm, doesn't matter what your job is, you're working class. <laughs> only on a full moon. But I love, I love that, like, only on a night out. The, the, the silly idea that like Keith is a is a working class name. Like I did see people in 2020 going like, um, you know, this is classist using Keith. What's wrong with being called Keith? <laughs> yeah. They just took they took it as like, yes, Keith is a innate has this innate working class value. No, no, how dare you insult people called Keith? It was fucking yeah. hell. That's like unlocked memories. I want to relock. Well, that's why I think I want to spearhead the new thing of just saying he loves lasagna. <laughs> one layer yeah. lasagna. You, you had any lasagna, mate? How many layers? Yeah. I want to. I want to hit him with that, like the farmer hit John Prescott with an egg. I want to be there, just getting a really weird question. And I want the left to rally around it en masse. Well, Keith lasagna. loves lasagna. Um, I do a blend of uh, the cheapest mints I can get and frozen corn. I do a blend. It's <laughs> yeah. half, you know. I'm- yeah, I'm, I'm pescatarian, which for me means I put in corn mints and real beef mints uh, <laughs> with a ratio of 20-80%. I don't cook the pasta sheet because I like that crunch. That's al dente. I actually cook the lasagna using um, the iron, the same iron I use. I like to iron clothes. I, I, I really enjoy that. And I especially like to iron the Union Jack flag. I actually have a little plaque here they gave me for being the slowest ironer in the village. A bit of an ironic plaque. <laughs> I do iron at a medium speed. <laughs> yeah, I like to do things properly. I like to consider it. I do like to melt the buttons down. <laughs> and I put them in my lasagna. I don't like I don't like hard buttons. I like them. If you melt them down, you could use it like sealing wax to keep your shirt shut. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, even even mocking them are making them too interesting. <laughs> In 2003, Starms became an advisor to the Northern Irish Policing Board, a body that was set up as part of the Good Friday Agreement to provide some oversight over the police hitting Catholics with truncheons. Starmer's role was to monitor police compliance with the Human Rights Act. 
And around this time, the Northern Irish police were beating up Sinn Féin politicians, letting Unionist paramilitaries enter Catholic neighbourhoods and turned water cannons on those who resisted. When Sinn Féin took their seats on the Northern Irish Policing Board, they requested an explicit ban on using plastic bullets on children. Starmer rejected this request and sent reports back praising the police's utter commitment to human rights. Do you know he claimed to be he's claimed to be a vegetarian a few times, but he, he eats a lot of fish and chips on the campaign trail. Or at least he gets a photo holding them and then chucks them in the bin, probably. Oh, that aid. could be it. Yeah. yeah. He, he one of his aides comes and delicately cuts out a bite mark. Yeah. And then they immediately impound it and flamethrower it. He probably could be lying. He that is a thing. The guy Which is, is the, the guy's a serial liar. Yeah, is he is he lying about being a vegetarian or is he lying about eating fish and chips? He's, it probably changes. It's like both are a lie depending on the time. Or it could be when someone says, are you a vegetarian? And Aid rushes up and says into his ear, don't say pescatarian. <laughs> we, we have done extensive polling and the public does not like the word pescatarian. But he doesn't even so care. But this is up. the thing. The idea that he's like, he re- responded to polling and then triangulating. No, like some stuff. Yeah. You know, all this like pro-business shit. Working class British people, polling for that. People aren't going, Do you know what? I, re- I really want pro-business. I wish the world was more pro-business. Whose fucking priority is that? It's um, Starmers. It's not voters. The idea that that's like, it's more operating on the idea of like, you can win from the centre right. That has received wisdom. Not that fucking just your politics just being a response to polls, which are polling a population whose psyche is just a whirlwind constructed by the Daily Mail and the Sun. You know, that's not a good way to do things either, but he that he isn't doing that. He's he's not consistently triangulating based on what polls say. I can apart from his like pro business, pro capitalist policies. Pro cop. There are elsewhere where you can see he's triangulating on the polls, where he's looking at an issue, he sees what society thinks, and in some way it's divided, so he just doesn't have a stance. <laughs> <laughs> that is poll tested, that is forensic. Some people think yes, some people think no. I think neither. I think nothing. I think families are nice, aren't they? Family? The flag? Um, a town. A beautiful town with a flag <laughs> and five an families. And all of them know each other and they're friends. <laughs> That's my <laughs> Britain. no travellers. <laughs> yeah. What you will always get from me is someone who believes honesty and integrity matter. We have to make the case for freedom of movement. One of your pledges was to defend free movement as we leave the EU, yeah. your leadership pledge in 2020. And then compare that to a Mail on Sunday interview, freedom of movement is a red line for me, it won't come back under my well, let's just look I mean, at these, those. these are diametrically opposed. Of course they're not. Look, defend free movement as we leave the EU. Right, we've left. Mr Speaker, nobody on this side of the House wants open borders. On that side, they've lost control of the borders. The Labour Party is unrecognisable from 2019 and it will never go back. That's I think correct. radical boringness has mm. actually been quite an effective strategy. People are pissed off with him primarily it's, for coming to the top of the Labour Party and and then steering it massively to the right and sort of... Uh, He's the boot on the neck of the British left after the sort of euphoric delusion that was Corbynism. And that's enough for everyone to hate him, but mm. that combined with his boringness means all the stuff he's done before like his QC, as mm. all decisions he made with regards to actual policing and law, that hasn't been as interesting to people because it's he's so boring and he has enough crimes to his name. No one needs the extra. And there was so much stuff about like Jimmy Savile, the actor. Which is, yeah, of, yeah, you don't need to add that. He's already done a load of shit. He's done the enough Jimmy right Savile away. thing is not. I think the best thing he did, the best thing he's done is when he said to the British left, 
to leave the Labour Party. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Because that's really helped a lot of us sort of try to move on <laughs> with our lives. <laughs> mm. And that means when, like, Labour right and Starmer supporters are saying, no, you left-wing need to stay in the Labour Party. It's like, uh, I'm actually listening to the Labour leadership, thank you very much. Yeah. It's you who are splitters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm complying with policy, thank you. Starmer struck a deal with the United States Department of Justice, stating he would not interfere with their American foreign policy interests. To maintain this relationship, Starmer was very willing to extradite anyone to the US that they wanted, including Gary McKinnon, a man whose autism made him very reliant on his family, who hacked into US military computers because he was looking for UFOs. Gary's mother confronted Starmer in Westminster to get answers, and reports that he responded, I'm feeling very uncomfortable. Speaking to you is making me feel very uncomfortable. In the end, the extradition had to be blocked by Theresa May. However, when a similar case appeared, the accused was not so lucky. Londoner Tala Assan was extradited to the US to be detained without trial for six years. Assan had been described by his psychiatrist as extremely vulnerable. The guy's yeah. done enough bad stuff on his own. He's done awful stuff. There are plenty of times when in his previous jobs he falls to the right of the Conservative Party. 2011 riots, maximum sentences for everyone. Mm -hmm. Ooh, bottle of water you've taken there. He loves law. Do you know the one thing, you know that he weird pipeline of like right-wing Labour factionalists had mm. some allegiance to some socialist history but then mm. latches onto some part of the British establishment that sort of infects every yes, other part yeah, of their ideology. Yeah, yeah. And for him... At some point, he becomes such a massive believer of the rule of law, which I don't think you can be that committed to the UK legal system as something that can bring about social good and not have like an extreme tension and conflict inside yourself. So it just wins in the end. The QC brain defeats everything else inside him. It's a combination of technocrat proceduralism and going, mm. well, I do this and then you do this. And I'm really boring and I can't think for myself. And then also the elements of his brain where he does have ideology. The ideology is reactionary. So where, mm. where he thinks for himself and does question the law, it's going to inevitably be like, oh, I wonder if this could be more uh, in favour of the police. Yeah, he just agrees with the establishment to every beat to the point where like, I think a lot of people who want to oppose Brexit end up in this weird spot where there's like, <laughs> can we, there can was we talk a democratic about that? vote. Yeah, that, sure. that was like a, the biggest grift he ever played, right? He saw that that was a, a means by which to further his career. You know, he that's the job he asked for. Uh, he, I think he wanted Home Secretary, couldn't get that. Expanded his brief cheekily when, because he was told he'd get some Brexit-related thing and then on a phone call to Corbyn, declared that he'd been offered a bigger job. And then Corbyn obviously just said, not wanting to contradict whoever said this to Starmer, even though obviously fucking Starmer was making it up, was just like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you must have been given that. And then Hung Up was like, oh, shit, should we have given this guy this job? And it was him that pushed for that, along with, let's not forget, John McDonnell, pushed for that not very electorally viable Remain position in 2019, whilst making it seem like this guy's taking the ethical stance. Mm. And then once he was in power, he, he's not your guy anymore, is he? <laughs> he's not your guy anymore. It's almost as if uh, he was using it for his own ends. As the Brexit shadow secretary... He is responsible for the most election-losing policy of the 2019 election and goes from destroying the party's chance in that election to mm. becoming its leader, which mm. is 
an astounding move for someone who just whose whole thing now is no principles only stay in power <laughs> yeah 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 well and also his the how brexit stuff goes through the lens of starmer he isn't just reacting to like polling he has got these own values and his values are always reactionary like he uh, loads of the main reasons people were you know if, if, if you ask Poland of like why people voted Brexit was often because they saw the EU as undemocratic um, or bureaucratic or distant from the UK and they wanted to devolve power. It was, it was about um, the principle of democracy. It wasn't just get, you know, we've got to stop the immigrants, but that's what it is in Starmer's head. So that's what is, uh, that's what he takes from it. Yeah. Like once, once he does go, once he does abandon Remain and accept Brexit, like what elements of it, what, what, what does he take from going right? The British people want Brexit. Uh, and Brexit's inevitable now. What what do I take from that? I'm going to take crush the immigrants. Yeah, Red Wall wants no boats. Do you live in a small town outside of Leeds? Well, I'll make sure you never see a boat again in your life. Mm. <laughs> We're going to start going to France on a little car. <laughs> In 2005, the Met Police racially profiled 27-year-old Jean-Charles de Menezes and shot him seven times in the head. The Met destroyed evidence relating to this case and their statements about de Menezes' execution were contradicted by eyewitness testimony and video footage. Keir Starmer decided to bring no charges against anyone involved. He is a charisma void. Like Blair, you know, evil, the, the, the butcher of Iraq, right? But charismatic. You know, remember when it came out that, well, not it didn't come out at once, but like numerous things of just like massive corruption with the Tories, like Hancock giving in these like crazy PPE contracts to just random yeah. pub landlords. People are asking Starmer if he should resign and Starmer's like, no, I, I don't think this is the time for, to call for people to resign. Maybe he should just apologise. Or, or I don't even know if he asked for him to apologise. Just like, mate, there's a giant open goal there and yeah. you're just... Your issue with it is that you're not able to give contracts to your mates. Is that the? Is that why you don't want to go after him? Because that's what yeah, you want to do. Yeah, we make this power. illegal. I'm going to want to do that stuff myself. Yeah, I mean, he was a big expenses scandal guy, right? He charged all kinds of stuff. There's too many MPs for whom a blanket crackdown on corrupt practices yeah. is going to come around and bite you. Well, and also the, the the reason, like, if he's getting all this money from like venture capital and gambling firms and private healthcare. They must be giving him that money for a reason. They must want something from him. And he mm. must have suggested he could give it to them. What could that be? Dare we imagine? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Not strong enough. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be to help people. Private healthcare companies and gambling companies. I think they want him to get into office to help people. To help the British working class. Yeah. What you will always get from me is someone who believes honesty and integrity matter. The 2019 Labour commitments to nationalise water, energy, rail, the Royal Mail, they'll all be in Labour's next election manifesto. I've made that commitment. Let have a look at one of your 10 pledges during your leadership yeah. campaign to become the leader of the Labour Party. Uh, and you said uh, this in it. Public services should be in public hands, not making profits for shareholders, and this is the key bit, end outsourcing in our NHS. So why have you changed your mind? Well, um, we're not talking about privatising the NHS or any public... Well, the NHS has always used 
um, elements from the private sector. GPs, for an example, is an but, example. But, but your pledge, you said end outsourcing and NHS. You've changed your mind. Yeah, well, look, the outsourcing of some issues and functions I don't think has been very effective. But if you take the NHS, the NHS has always used uh, GPs in private practice. That's always been part of it. For many, many years, the NHS has referred NHS um, you know, patients to the private sector to have operations, hip operations, knee operations, etc. I think we could be more effective than that. But I'm not talking about privatising the NHS. The same is true in criminal justice. I do think it should be run as a public service. But it doesn't mean there aren't, um, there isn't a private sector in there. Um, Self-employed barristers, for example. I'm asking you a big principled question. Will you nationalise the big six energy companies, yes or no? No. The Labour Party is unrecognisable from 2019 and it will never go back. Imagine Starmer convincing someone of something. That's kind of a mad idea, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine you don't believe anything and Starmer's, Starmer's trying to tell you like what's inside a box that he's looked inside of. I yeah. just feel like I'd be naturally... I did not, not necessarily sceptical. I just find it hard to make my brain attend to his words. The way he talks is it's actually ableist nothing. against ADHD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't say anything. He waffles on. If you ask him a question, he goes really moody really fast. If you if yes. you raise if for example not if you monotone, go he's furious. if he's furious yeah, yeah. They're, they're the two options monotone or fury um, and he's got like a really short fuse for this guy supposed to be like calm technocratic forensic lawyer guy they'll will make him angry and going well you said this but now you've done this mm. do you have anything to say on that and you're like rub, rub, how 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 dare you rub, rub, rub. yeah Arsenal football you're showing club. him the picture of him in Hartlepool having a fish and chips you're like I thought you were a vegetarian but maybe you are in fact yeah. a pescatarian actually this conversation is making me very uncomfortable yeah, look, that's not relevant it's a very silly yeah, so question I, <laughs> I'm going to let my minders pick me up while I go f f um, as rigid as a plank and they're going to put me in the overhead seating compartment and when I've <laughs> calmed down I'm going to let this bus drive over you is it Starmer I can't remember what politician it is but someone's aides only give one talking point because if he asked to decide between things he gets really angry <laughs> I it oh, might I not be, to be someone's yeah, fatal like, flaw yeah. someone whose fatal flaw is decided between A and B and it doesn't matter what it is <laughs> I do love the whole thick of it understanding of all of this politics it's like you've got these kind of it's like the Eloy and the Morlocks in H.G. Yeah. Wells um, the time traveller where you've got all these little people scurrying around with bags full of paper and then you've got these kind of larger than life nothing brains who stand in front of the cameras and go um. <laughs> 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 it's just this like two class system <laughs> on the multiple occasions where it was shown that MI5 and MI6 agents had worked with and oversaw torture against British citizens Starmer repeatedly refused to prosecute Similarly, when members of the group Lawyers for Palestinian Human Rights handed in an application for the arrest of Israeli Foreign Minister Zippy Livni on war crimes during the 2008 assault on Gaza, Starmer delayed processing the application and tipped off the Foreign Office so that it could grant her immunity. I have been looking into Keir Starmer Facebook fan clubs. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that for us all. I've taken a bullet for every team on the planet. Um, <laughs> Because I was interested, because Corbyn obviously had a massive youth movement, but even mm. Miliband, who was kind of treated having a policy as an anathema to the campaign. The Miller fandom. Um, had the Miller fandom, yeah, which was started by students at York University and was relatively, I mean, while ironic, mm. was, I think, done out of a sincere attempt to elect a Labour government. So I thought it would be funny to see, you know, what's the equivalent going on for Keir Starmer? <laughs> and... 
Facebook's got this new feature where you can lock groups behind... Um, Having a suitcase. I had to take a picture of my suitcase, yeah, and that did have, needs to be validated by a Guinness World Record adjudicator. Um, they're the people they'll trust. But they, um, you have to fill in a little questionnaire to be let in. And one of them was, um, if Keir Starmer doesn't be elected Labour leader, who would you support? And I just put in Jess Phillips and they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> What's she done with all that money she raised? Where's that gone? Where's that gone? Wasn't it she over, probably used over it to harass Pizza Hut delivery drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my pizza? 50k's worth of pizza. Yeah. Where is it? It's cold. <laughs> so I got into two. And I'm happy to say they're the biggest because as far as I can see, they're the only ones. And the others mm-hmm. that seem like they might be were uh, detractor f- clubs full of memes about how he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found two sincere positive ones. Naturally, they had to be behind these questionnaires so they're not like flooded with uh, teens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want any teen? <laughs> <laughs> One of them had an admin that was just fully talking about how uh, sex is real and trans people shouldn't be allowed to weightlift. Uh, they, they'd use their admin powers to like pin a bunch of posts yeah, like yeah, that. Like um, scans. Yeah, uh, average age definitely over fifty. A lot of people talking about uh, how socialism can mean whatever you need it to mean. It's mean different things at different times, and now mm-hmm. socialism means working with the banks. A high incidence of accounts that seem to be run by dogs right. who strongly support Ukraine. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they like Ukraine, and they like Kistama, and they are dogs. Yes. It's, it never explained um, how they can take the photo because all four of their paws are in the image. And no, no, no. You can set timers. Them. No, no. You're, actually, you're talking like a caveman here. You can set timers. Oh, a dog can? Can a dog set a timer? Well, I know that they can teach animals to count and do basic maths. They do these things where they um, show numbers on a screen and, hmm. and, and they measure what animals can do it. And if they can do that, they can definitely set a timer on yeah. a smartphone, on a Samsung. If, if, if you put a dog in front of a selection of flags, it will touch the Ukraine flag. Always. Mm. And what's interesting, right? New scientist says no one knows why that is. <laughs> <laughs> a big content warning on this one as we look at Keir Starmer's record on sexual assault while at the CPS. This bit is uh, very grim. And if you want to avoid it, Fast forward around 1 minute, 37 seconds and 11 milliseconds and you have my blessing to round up. In 2010, Keir Starmer was visited by the group Women Against Rape, asking him as head of the Crown Prosecution Service to stop prosecuting women for lying about rape claims simply because they couldn't meet the evidential threshold for a conviction. How can anyone do anything about rape culture if women risk prosecution by coming forward? Starmer said he would not change the law, but instead he proposed a compromise. Over the next 17 months, he would personally review all such cases and write a report. During this time, Starmer was personally involved in the conviction of 35 women for making allegations of rape. This includes the story of a woman who was raped inside a car, and while exiting the vehicle, some random men rush over with camera phones out, ostensibly trying to help. But in that moment, on the street, leaving a car, being approached by random men after that experience with camera phones out, she says it is fine, nothing happened. 
That footage was used by Keir Starmer to prosecute her for making false accusations. One year later, Keir Starmer scrapped guidance given to the police that instructs them to refer rape cases to state prosecutors very early in the investigation to ensure victims are given a fair hearing and are not having their credibility determined by the police. Starmer instead offered new guidance, increasing the police's powers to determine if they should listen to a rape victim story. The Met Police, the London Metropolitan Police, those guys, them. I found a thread that someone started, which was just said, where do you stand on the Israel-Palestine conflict? And The author was a 50-year-old man sat in the outdoor seating area of some southern European bar Mm -hmm. and the comment section had been nuked. (laughs) (laughs) I just like this guy going, oh, yeah, I'll just ask this this question here, holding up like um, a Stella in somewhere like the Costa del Sol. Yeah. Comments have been disabled. (laughs) I want to share an image with you. It summed up the entire vibe and I want you to to read aloud the, the comment and the reply. This was about um, Corbyn being kicked out of the Labour Party in the next election. Michael Greenan says, At 75, he should be dying to put his feet up. Politics is a game of winners and losers. Give the next generation a chance and have 70 as the cut-off age in the Lords or Commons. Maybe they could then move to working normal long hours like they expect from their low-paid workforce. Bernard Nash replies, tagging in Michael Greenan. That's one of the worst ageist comments I have seen. Just as bad as racism. There we go. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Um, Can I just add the tidbit as well that's not conveyed through the spoken form, which is in Michael Greenan's post, when he says politics, he spells politics, capital P, O-L-I-T-I-C, which that bit's correct, and then apostrophe S. I love the apostrophe S. It's the apostrophe S which really sends it into space, yeah. This is a sincere call for anyone listening. Do you come across boomers that use apostrophes, specifically apostrophes, in a really weird way, or commas? Apostrophes and commas that are often, like, floating on their own. They're not next to a word. They might be used as, like, ellipses. Well, they use ellipses willy-nilly as well. Often with commas. They, mm. they, I'm fascinated by this kind of, um, it's a specific kind of boomer grammar. Boomer online grammar. Where like you'll, you'll, you'll make like a, a fragment of a sentence and then there's just some ellipses or some commas and then another thought starts. That's I really, actually really like it. Mm. It's really hard to talk and focus on Keir Starmer, isn't it? <laughs> it is tough, isn't it? The moment I was have able to, to talk seen, about. Have you ever seen how people use apostrophes? <laughs> what are you doing? No, the whole time I'm like, I'm waiting to find something, some interest here. I've been looking in these Facebook groups. I'm like, this is interesting. Yeah, these, these apostrophes. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I agree. It's tough, okay? It's like, it's like looking at a magic eye puzzle, but you know there's no image there. It's, it's just a wobbly design. What you will always get from me is someone who believes honesty and integrity matter. Climate change is the issue of our time. There's an extinction rebellion. Uh, protests showed us this week the next generation are not going to forgive us if we don't take action. I'm really pleased to be here this morning supporting the staff at McDonald's are on strike. Get up, go home. Um, I'm opposed to what you're doing. 
Um, it's not the way to deal with the climate crisis, and that's why we wanted longer sentences for those that have glued themselves and stuck on roads. I am as strong as anyone in um, the argument that we need to take action against just off oil. I mean, doing yourself the road, taking those actions, stopping ambulances, getting through. Um, wrong, deeply arrogant, and I want the police to act. Um, saying anything about defunding the police, I mean, and I would have no truck with that. I was director of public prosecutions for five years. I worked with police forces across England and Wales, bringing thousands of people to court. So um, my support for the police is very, very strong and evidenced in, in the actions I've, joint actions I've done with the police. There's a broader issue here, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, or, or moment, if you like. The Labour Party is unrecognisable from 2019, and it will never go back. There's no beating core at the middle of it, I think. It's like Starmer and the people who are ostensibly into him, they're not into him per se, they just believe he's a vehicle for something These antithetical to some other things they don't like. And his whole history of being, like, the top barrister... He's so proceduralism-pilled. The idea of him in any kind of leadership seems wacky because he's so subordinate to, like, the rules, regulations, procedures, the law. I'll write a report, it'll take 19 months, and then it won't be released, no one will read it, it'll be redacted. Um, Which is not inspiration, right? You don't, when you think of, like, inspiring change or something, you don't think, ah, a bureaucrat. And what's weird... It's like, obviously, the Tories are the biggest bunches yeah, of wretches that could yes. ever yeah, yeah, yeah. lope across the Absolute wet bastards. soil. But they understand that uh, uh, if you are a believer in representative democracy, the people that you uh, elect to lead it are, in some ways, above the law in that they change the law. They mm. change what the law is doing for the people who want them to make those changes. That's politics, baby. Awoo. Yeah, yeah. Starmer is within the system. And if you elected him, he would just maintain that, that system of laws and governance. Well, even but his proceduralism is deviated from if it requires subservient bootlick into the status quo. So if he mm-hmm. has a choice between the procedure and a sort of mechanistic interpretation of the rules and not fucking changing anything, he will choose the latter. Like these many examples of Tory corruption in politics generally or his own manoeuvrings within the Labour Party where it's like there shouldn't be interference with the leadership in party processes about membership, but except with Corbyn, who we're going to directly interfere in it to fuck him over. What you will always get from me is someone who believes honesty and integrity matter. Don't trash the last four years because what Jeremy Corbyn brought to this party, he made us an anti-austerity party that stood against cuts. I want to pay tribute to Jeremy Corbyn, who led our party through some really difficult times, who energised our movement, and who's a friend as well as a colleague. Facts on Jeremy Corbyn were terrible. They vilified him, and they knew what they were doing, and they knew why they were doing it. You were loyal to Jeremy Corbyn, and you've spoken in his defence just now. But Louise Elman says that he is a danger, not just to the Labour Party, but to the entire British Jewish community. I don't accept that. Do you worry that voters might think that either you're not to be trusted, or they might conclude that with friends like here, who needs enemies? Well, we went into that 2019 election 
and the electorate gave their verdict. You don't look at the electorate and say, what on earth were you doing? You look at your own party and say, we need to change. And that's why I've been so clear about changing the Labour Party. Whether it's rooting out anti-Semitism, being absolutely clear we're pro-business, pro-NATO, make no apologies uh, for that. But I say this with all candour. The Labour Party is unrecognisable from 2019 and it will never go back. There's no way he could win anything. If well, he, he manages won, to secure power for Labour... You know, his, his, his victory is the complete destruction of the left. Yeah, and but then the he... And he's going to turn it. Yeah, he's what won. I'm saying is... He's done that. He's and he will be hoisted that by that petard because he's turned it into a cutthroat's gallery and his throat will be next because he is... I don't think he um, is going to be able to maintain that power. It's not about him. It's about, has the left been destroyed, demoralised? Yes. One. Completely one. I, um, I saw a Sky News interview with him recently where he said, um, the, 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 uh, the interviewer was saying, so you've completely purged the left and you've done this and you've done that. And he took issue with like the second thing on the list. <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting and out of a point where someone goes, you purged the left and that just goes by without comment. It's like, I'm not going to say yes, but uh, I'm not going to object to the idea that I did just purge. Well, he would see that as good. He wouldn't mm. deny that. <laughs> he might not say yes. There would have been a time where he would have. I think there, there was a there, there was a time when he was pretending a certain kind of cooperation and January to March twenty twenty before he was elected, however. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Ian Tomlinson was a forty-seven-year-old newspaper vendor killed by Met Police officer Simon Harwood while he was trying to avoid the crowds and disruption of the G20 protests. After a year of silence, Starmer announced that Harwood would not be prosecuted due to a lack of medical evidence. Two separate post-mortems concluded the death was manslaughter. Two years after his death, Starmer was forced to reverse this ruling. Similarly with Jimmy Mubenga, killed in 2010 by private G4S guards hired by the Home Office to deport him, Starmer refused to prosecute and later a subsequent inquest found that it is in fact against the law to murder people. In fairness to Starmer, in response to his overwhelming evidence of black and Asian people dying at the hands of the police, he founded the Deaths in Custody Community Engagement Panel, which didn't do anything and then got scrapped. This guy's so this, this is just so boring, Sean. He's like a sedative made of ham. I find him very hard to think about. He's like um he's like a slippy concept and my mind just slides straight off and just thinks about other things. Whenever I see him mm. talking on a, like a press junket thing. I always end up looking around the corner and being like, what's down that road, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where he is. What kind it's, of plant is that? Yeah, he, it, looking at him is like, um, you know, the photos in Back to the Future where the person starts vanishing because they, they've been erased. Mm. But that is a press shot of Keir Starmer. And you, he's just fading, and you can you can just kind of make out the Union Jack behind him. Yeah, someone shows you a photo of Keir Starmer, and you go, oh, that's a lovely wall. Yeah, that's nice, some nice brickwork. And they go, no, there's a person in that photo. And I go, is that? <laughs> <laughs> there's someone in there? <laughs> Where? Behind, crouched behind one on that table? No, he's centre center in the frame. <laughs> is there really? <laughs> it's like a, like a doctor's waiting room. But all and there's magazines, but all the magazines are blank. Mm. But if you squint, you can just see in sort of a, a very you know, like if you if you're going the color color from black to white, 
the first grey up from the white. It says yeah. Keir Starmer on every page. Listening to Keir Starmer give a speech to any kind of Labour Party delegation is like reading a ransom note written in Tipex. <laughs> <laughs> He's a spreadsheet with no formulas. It's someone who's trying to write a poem within an Excel document. <laughs> Someone's trying to write you threatening emails, but they've attached an Excel spreadsheet and it's all in there somewhere. <laughs> I honestly find the guy, it's a horrible mixture of depressing and bored to talk about. I feel endangered, but also just a bit bored, ready to move on. Yeah. In fact, I, I am ready to move on. I'm well, ready long, to move on. How, how, we we, how much have we got here? We need an episode. Can you look at how long is the recording? <sighs> we need we need more. Uh, this is and it has to be about Keir Starmer. Well, I don't know if there's anything more. I, I guess it, it has to be. I would say more interesting than Keir Starmer because the problem with him is the boringness. But we don't mm. want to put out an episode that's boring. So it has to be more interesting than this guy. How much do you know about Blue Tack? <laughs> Sticky in it, landlords hate even, it. It's not even that sticky, really. I think it's not even it's that not sticky. It's not that sticky. It's t- it's, t- it's got a tack to it. Yeah. Do you know? It's one of those. Um, do you know those inventions that were a failed invention for doing something else? Oh, like um, dynamite. What no, was dynamite supposed dynamite. to be? Fish food or something? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Where's my fish? <laughs> Hold on. Do you know what? I'm thinking of penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, penicillin was supposed to blow up walls. <laughs> yeah. This wall's not blown up. Yeah, yeah, but I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> Why were you eating it? <laughs> what you will always get from me is someone who believes honesty and integrity matter. This city has been wounded by the media, the sun in this city, a hurt for this city. And I certainly won't be getting any interviews to the sun during the course of this campaign. You write an article for some newspaper the other day. Surely that's not going to gain you any support across the Northwest. Just to, I think, know that that is very different. Would you write for them again, Sir Keir? I would do, yeah. The Labour Party is unrecognisable from 2019 and it will never go back. With, I think with Bluetack, they wanted to make like a really strong industrial grade sealant. And they came out with this weird putty and they were like, well, that doesn't work. And then later someone used it just to put a notice up on the wall. And they were like, hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's, that's bloody the, on the wall. But that's how you would make up the discovery of Bluetack. You would imagine you people going like, well, we've got orange goop, we've got yellow sludge. And we've got this blue tack. Like, it's, it feels like someone's messing around with slime. Do you know what it feels like? Industrial waste. You know how Vaseline is just, it's like a surplus of something that they've then repackaged as Vaseline. Yeah, it's like old skin and fat from the liposuction factory. <laughs> I think we're not that. allowed to dump <laughs> this, so we're going to put it in boots. But I think it's, um, it's like a side effect of the oil industry or something, I think. Blue tack is that, but I don't know what from. Um, mm, like a, yeah. a surplus thing that's been turned into a product. Yeah, everything left over from a baking lesson. It isn't that sticky. It's like the it's stickiness. Sticky, the it? stickiness runs out. I think ostensibly, don't think they're ever explicit about it, but I do think it is supposed to be kind of reusable. You're supposed to be able to unstick a thing and restick it, but it runs out. It's definitely got finite. It begins with limited stick and then it runs out. However, blue tack also sometimes randomly goes super strength, and removing it from a wall is like removing a tattoo or your own flesh. 
yeah, if it gets cold and it gets left there and it dries out, and you need, what I like about blue tack is you need blue tack to remove blue tack. Yeah. So sometimes you don't have any blue tack because it's all stuck. Then you get more blue tack and then you've got double blue tack. Have you ever got blue tack on, on yourself and it's become fiddly to get off? I've had blue tack where, so blue tack's normally quite hard and it maintains uh-huh. its own kind of surface tension. But then if you, I'm, I'm a fidgety, yes, so I've, I've too, absolutely yeah. just yeah, run it, it yeah, along yeah, my yeah, fingertips. Yeah, yeah. After a while, it just loses mm. that surface tension and it just absolutely wraps well, to your finger but and it absorbs roll. you. Have you ever had it go mega? So sometimes it kind of... <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? It goes mega blue tack. Go mega. It goes mega. I'm supposed to hear that, pass and understand that question. Oh yeah, it's gone mega. You've obviously never had it go mega, right? So blue tack goes mega when it when it when it like it's like it melts. I think it has to be hotter and wetter than normal, and then it goes like super sticky. It goes mega, and you're like. Um, I, yeah, this blue tack's gone mega. Let's use it for something. Let's use it for some sticking. Something <laughs> really needs sticking. When it's hot and wet. It's not hot. Have... It's not really wet. It's not wet. It's just, it's like, it's more moist, more like, I don't know. There's something happens to it. Please get in touch. Have you had blue tack go mega? <laughs> as, as someone who's been to the Edinburgh Fringe a few times, yeah. I've ended up putting up posters in very hot, moist environments. Mm. I don't think I've ever encountered the mega blue tack. Well, this is it. I don't understand when it's kind of mega it just goes (laughs) (laughs) it just goes mega it just it's like you'll find it and you go oh my god this blue tack's gone mega and it's really like super gloopy and super sticky i feel like i'm listening to someone's dream (laughs) in 2010 it came to light that police officers sent to infiltrate activist groups had formed long-term sexual relationships with the women they were actively spying on They'd also provoke these groups into taking more drastic and confrontational actions to encourage them to break the law so that they could then be arrested. When the spy cops became the subject of media attention, Keir Starmer handed the investigation over to the most biased person available, Christopher Rose, the UK's chief surveillance commissioner who was in charge of authorising the spy cops. And he said, it's fine. Do you know who invented blue tack? Do you know who the inventor is of blue tack? Jane Blue. No, no one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Who's got the patent? Uh, Bostic. How we they know got the company? The... Right, but how? We don't know the individual. Uh, well, that's that's common though, isn't it? The erasure. Of there the is an urban myth. There's an urban myth that it was um, made by someone called Alan Holloway. Going to the source, this seems to be based on some 2007 edits to Wikipedia that were unsourced and then had to be removed again. But a researcher called James Ward, who did a book about stationery in 2014 called Adventures in Stationery, A Journey Through Your Pencil Case, um, (laughs) came out and said, I don't think it's discoverable. I don't think anyone can know who it is. They probably want to remain unknown. They're probably concealing their identity. Why do you think Blue Tack will eventually turn out to be a menace? Well, no, a menace is just not very good, is it? I think it's all right. Do you know you can use it for more things than you think? What, such as reattaching a limb? There was um, there was a study done in Cambridge. I mm. know oh, it was published by the Cambridge University Press. Who did it? Okay, I don't know how to find the. Yeah, okay. So there's a study done by um, medical scientists at the University of Manchester. This feels like a scam. That said, it is a safe and good alternative to earplugs. No. Yeah. No. These it's are the got same really thing. good no. amplitude dampening effects. Earplugs. Yeah, but so you're not going. What if you push it down the hot? What? What the fuck? Just don't. Just don't. Just don't do that. Look, you, look, 
just make just big done. enough globs. Well, just make big enough globs that it can't fall down your ear. Yeah. So what? what but you still need it to block your ear. So you have to push it in a bit. Yeah, but unlike unlike because I feel this way with real earplugs because uh, the real earplugs are one size fits all. They are. You can't go give me extra big, give me extra there small. Are, there's different earplug sizes, but it's different. I appreciate that it's difficult to dial in your earplug size. I've never been do, dealing with top shelf earplugs. I just deal with <laughs> cheap, cheaper earplugs. You've never things been things only get loud site. once in a while. Yeah, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time on the site. Sometimes yeah. I go to see a band and I think I'd like to hear this yeah. a little bit less. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I try to sleep during a storm, and that's it for me. Yeah. Um, or I try to sleep while students are enjoying themselves and enjoying life, and <laughs> I am hating existing. <laughs> but then I think these are squidgy. These could go in, but with blue tack, you could have like. Blue tack the size of a flipping fist mm. either side, just push it in. It absolutely covers the side of your head. You would so just make your ear completely thing. flat. Make your ear completely flat, flat with blue. Or even just have the, you, you, you can make the size of your head completely round, like you've got a face like the moon. Mm. And in there, you would, you would, the only thing you'd hear is your own heartbeat. <laughs> but what if it goes mega? What if it? What if you try? <laughs> What is mega? What are you talking about? Like where where it goes? Like it's it's it becomes like super sticky and mega. Like when, you know, sometimes when you're trying to remove it from a wall and it just won't come off, no matter what. Even if you try and get it with, because if you try and use other blue tack, that other blue tack is probably not mega. So the mega blue tack will win. I can't but believe this I hasn't happened the, to you. I think the mega you're referring to. Yeah. This is like when you're trying to get it off a poster that was the first poster you put up when you moved in. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's old blue tack that's been hardened with the earth. No, because that's not going to happen in one night of sleeping it's not with just blue hard, it's, it's, it's mega. It's like, oh, I can't explain what, what it. What properties does it have? It has hardness? multiple properties. So think of the properties <laughs> Name of. Name them. <laughs> <laughs> you just say mega a lot and then the conversation sort of halts <laughs> because if you'd experienced mega blue talk you'd know you go oh yeah I know it goes mega I think I have it gets really hard right and no then it's- not hard mega it's so <laughs> like, it's I don't like- know how to don't have to bridge this gap let me, uh, let me think so it becomes like mega yeah not <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to use the word mega. It becomes like stickier and gloopier and like melted. Oh, when it like sort of falls apart, like when you're kneading it in your hands. But no, it's not falling apart. It's more, it's more together. It's gloopier, but it sticks better. So it sticks to itself better. It's properties of, it's stickiness, it's malleability, it's cohesiveness. All of the stats, if you were to list blue tack, min-maxed, and what the stats it's put loads of numbers onto, all of them have doubled, a.k.a. Okay, it so has for, become for, mega. Yeah, okay, so for everything that BlueTac can do, it's doing it twice as well. Yes, but it doesn't ever do that out of the package. It is randomly you will encounter BlueTac and go, what the fuck has happened to this? And I have described that as it going mega. Yeah, that bit I've got, that, that, that last yeah. bit. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm you've got <laughs> yeah, I don't So you're saying there's a risk mm. if you use... Blue tack as an ear, what's it called? Earplug. Yeah. You know, there's a risk it could go mega and then what? You can't get it off. You could get it off, but I think it would take fucking skin off. hours. <laughs> and yeah, it would take skin off. It would be horrible. Because you, if you try to get it onto your hand, then it's going to go mega on your hand and then it's going to be all in your fingers. And, and well, you know, there was a study done on this. So, what fucking studies on blue tack have you got up? Um, objective to demonstrate that blue tack is equally effective at 
attenuating sound as over-the-counter earplugs. The same study you were looking at before. Yeah, volunteers were asked to assess the comfort and ease of insertion of earplugs and blue tack and their peace of mind while using earplugs and blue tack. Control F mega. Well, I can't get into it because I don't belong to a university. It costs 31 euros. Oh, fuck that, no. No, no. I could email them. Oh, there's an email right here. Ah. (laughs) Should we email them? Subject. What if it goes mega? Um, I'm not going to say what if it goes mega because I don't know what they don't, won't know what I'm referring hey, to. Yeah, this is academics investigating blue tack. They will know exactly what you mean. This was public. I don't think they investigate blue tack. This is this is yeah, the, they are. the blue tack institute, the, Manchester blue tack institute. Whatever this person said. works at the head and neck surgery at the University of, Hospital of South Manchester oh, NHS yeah. Trust. You should drive there. <laughs> <laughs> Honking my horn. Under Keir Starmer and the coalition government, the Crown Prosecution Service expanded its international division, whereby the CPS worked with the Foreign Office and Intelligence Service to identify and neutralise quote-unquote risks. This involved exporting criminal justice advisers to tell other countries, including those in the Global South and former British colonies, how they should run their justice system, pressuring them to enact draconian anti-drug laws in an effort to stop those drugs reaching Britain. Later, Starmer's advisers expanded into working with regimes known for torture and extrajudicial killings in the aim of serving the political objectives of the Conservative Party. You ever used a, um, a command strip? People were talking about, I think command strips are trying to push Blue Tack out of the market. They're not as good mm. as people say. I actually They're think. Pretty good. Mm, I've tried to I've tried to use some heavier things, and people yeah, are like, "Oh, a heavy thing? You want heck. command strips for that?" No, no. I think well, what I'd really want is mega blue tack. It I, sounds like. Well, a mega no, no. You don't want mega blue tack. It's I'm not fucked. It's horrible. <laughs> it's it's properties. It's desirable properties become so exaggerated that it becomes bad. <laughs> right. Um, so it's so good. It's bad. It becomes an absurd mm. macabre parody uh, of itself. Yeah, yeah. It's not sounds good. good. Um, <laughs> So command strips, I think, are pretty good for, like, a framed thing. Mm. I think don't use them. People will tell you you can use them for, like, a hook that you're going to put a coat on or something. I was trying to hang up a tapestry. Mm. I wouldn't use command strips for that. My landlord, so I I can't ask my landlord, what will you let me use Mm. such that if it fucks the wall up, you told me to do this. That's yes. that's the hack, isn't it? Yeah, Just yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. I want to do a thing. I'm letting you know so that you can tell me your mad way of doing it. Yeah. And when it breaks the thing, it's sorry, all I, I did yeah. my due diligence here. Yeah. Um, command strips could not do it. Yeah, I've had stuff that's command strip fluff. But the thing with the command strip is this, this, the the double Velcro system where you pull the thing at the, from the bottom to get to remove it. Mm. Then the command strip, I suppose, is spent, but it does work quite well. That unlike blue tack, where you're going to get residue, especially if it's got mega. But even if it hasn't, but you you maintain the blue tack. The blue tack gets absorbed back into the mother ball. No, I don't think it is though, because then you're mixing. I think blue tack has a finite stickiness, unless it randomly the dice rolls and you get it and it goes mega. But it, it it's using up. It uses up its stick. So I think if you mix it back in you are diluting the stickiness of... The stick goes away because the blue tack gets dirty. And if you can keep your blue tack pristine, only handle it with clean fingers. Gloves. Yeah, marigolds. Mm, yeah. If you, if, you, if you maintain discipline, your blue tack will last forever. It's, it's eternal. Blue tack cannot be intentionally made obsolete. You cannot have planned obsolescence with blue tack. It's the perfect wow. product. And it doesn't conduct any electricity, so you can use it in computers. For what? 
holding uh, wobbling things still. What if the you, fuck's going on your computer? Wobbling. <laughs> Everything. There's no screws. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried you're not safe now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm worried it's going to go mega. <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis-Evans. The title theme was created by Ella Jean with additional music from Sean Morley and Jack Lewis-Evans. Thank you for listening to Mandos and special thanks to those of you who support our work by sharing this episode on social media or supporting us at patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party where you will find a treasure trove of bonus content. We are bringing a brand new live show, Judgment Day, to McCunthless Comedy Festival at the end of April as well as our solo show. Sean's is entitled Sean Morley has been banned from this year's festival and I'm doing the character Barry Shafto in Do You Know How to Kill a Ghost? I do, and I will explain at this event. It would be cool to see you at any of these. Farewell, friends. Mm-hmm.